If you are there, Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 12 today. If you will uh, read along with me, Second um, Peter 1 verse 12, it says, Therefore I intend always to remind you of these qualities. The quality, we talked about that last week, we'll remind you as well as we get through this. I intend to always remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it is right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that putting off my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. If y'all will pray with me real quick, we'll ask the Spirit's guidance uh, through this text today. Father, we come to you again and acknowledge that, that we desperately need your help. Father, we need your Spirit to move in our hearts even as we read your words and try to understand what you've given us. We need your Spirit to interpret that to us. We need your Spirit to teach us. And just pray that that through these next few minutes as we open your scripture, that your truth would be revealed, that your words would be heard and our lives would be changed as a result. And it's in your son's saving and powerful name I pray, amen. And, and so again, what we see here is we talked about the the in the ancient world that scripture was written, they started off letters telling you who was writing. It's kind of opposite of what we did. They, they started with who it's writing, not at the end. And, and really what we see here as we're moving through this first section of Peter's letter is he really reminds us again of his purpose. He's telling us this is why I'm writing this to you. He wants his readers to remain consistent in the understanding what he just told them. And, and we see that if you look up again in um, verse 5, he says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, knowledge, self-control, and self-control with steadfastness. Steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. And last week we talked about how those qualities are, are actions, but it's not just a one-time thing, how it, it's cyclical. It goes back. Once we get to love, then the gospel then starts with its surgical precision, starts doing that again in our lives. And so we're never on this end point. We're continually growing. And so Peter here is saying when he starts this is, I want you to remember that. This is the key, what I just told you is the key to everything then I'm going to tell you now. If you go back to these, you'll be established in what I want you to. And so he started his letter showing what God had given them through his son. Everything's through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and so what we see here is when he's wanting to remind, we can see this is what he's wanting his legacy to be. This is Peter's second letter. It's the last letter that he wrote that we have. If he wrote another one, we don't have it as far as part of our scripture or there. And, and so we can, it was written somewhere around 60 AD. So Peter's literally old by these times. He's looking at the end of his life. He's seeing things coming to an end. And so this is what he wants people to remember. And really we see that. We, we see that. And so... People want to be remembered, and it's always at the end of our lives that we think about how people remember us. We never think of starting off how people, it's at the end. 
What have I done and what do people see? And so Peter's kind of doing this. He's, this is what I want you to know. And really to understand the legacy that Peter's leaving and to understand how we can assure that our legacy will be the one that is intended for us. We have to do three things that he talks about here. And, and the first one is repetition of the truth. So we, we see that by repeating the truth to ourselves and by repeating the truth to other people that we see really or we're able to ensure that our legacy is remembered. Because learning isn't remembering the facts and being able to recall them once or twice or even a few times. It's this constant repeating them until you almost you can't understand it and you should do it again. And, um, and we see that's what Peter's talking about. Verse two, he says, I intend to always remind you. I intend, I'm about to, I'm about to start always reminding you. That, that always, that's a constantly, it's a continually. So he's always about to start continually reminding you. It's, it never stops. I'm going to remind you. He's saying that you should never stop learning these truths. I intend to always remind you of these qualities. And notice what he says there. At the end of that, though you know them and are established in them. So he's not saying I'm gonna remind you because you didn't get it. He's saying I'm gonna remind you even though you have gotten it. You've understood this. They're established in the truth. So I'm going to remind you. I'm literally, he's going to call you to remember. We see the same type of language in John 14 when Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And that's the same thing Peter's saying here is he's going to constantly remind us. He's going to recall, he's going to call us to remember everything that he's given us, these qualities that he's just given us continually. I'm going to remind you. Um, John Anderson came up with this study method. It's called the PQ4R. There's about three different versions of it, but, uh, and they all have different letters and number combinations. I don't know what the PQ4R is. I didn't research that. But what he said is that when that's used properly, it reveals that college students taking 12 hours of credit should spend two to three hours outside of class for every hour spent in. So if you properly study and you're taking a 12-hour course load, you should study 24 to 36 hours outside of school. Now I understand why they call it full-time, right? I never knew why 12 hours was full credit. Well, I guess apparently I never, I should be careful because my dad's here. But, uh, but I guess I never studied correctly. But, but think about that. That seems, we, we look at that and we're like, there's no way that anyone would study that much. But the, the people that are understanding our brains and knowing what it takes says that that's, that's just the minimal. If you want to learn what you're talking about, 24 to 36 hours out of class is what you should take. I don't know if there's anyone that studies that, if we're honest. I mean, there probably is. Lindsay probably is. I can talk about her. She's not in here. But she probably did. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But it, it just seems, doesn't it seem crazy to think that you should study that much just to simply to learn it? And so if that's just for general knowledge, how much more should we be devoted 
to remembering the truths that we have in the gospel. Because simply, we usually just spend an hour or two a week on, on what God's teaching us, and the rest is just life, when in reality, it should be the opposite. So we, we see that when we think we've learned something, we're still very far off in actually remembering or actually having a working knowledge of it. But see, it's different with the gospel. Because when we take into account what Peter's teaching us and, and what the gospel calls us to do, it's harder than just general facts because it's counter to what we're wired as. We're, we're selfish, and the gospel says love others. We want to pour ourselves into ourselves. And, and so we, we see this, that what Peter's calling us to do, he's constantly reminding us, he's going to call us to remember to rely on something that's counter to what our nature is. And so we should have all the more desire to remember it, to focus on it, to apply it specifically. Because see, part of learning too is not just the simple knowledge, but it's also putting that knowledge in action. It's like with languages. Uh, I've told y'all, I told y'all a couple of weeks ago that uh, when I was talking about going to Berlin that I had taken German in college and I don't remember anything now. Or I remember enough to get me in a conversation and then I can't get out of it. Right? I can start and say hello and then they start answering like I know and I'm like, English, you know? But, but that's the same thing. It's because languages, if you don't use them, you lose them. And, there, and we see that in this area. There's, there's a lot of people that, that have other nationalities or that grew up somewhere else that knew two languages, but one of them is fading because they predominantly use English. And so in order for us to have this gospel language into us, we have to use it. We have to apply it to our lives. We have to soak in and put the time in the study, but then we have to put the practical to work as well. And that's what Peter is saying here is that I intend to always remind you of these qualities so that you'll never forget. Because remember, these qualities, they're all actions. You get virtue, but then knowledge, but the rest of it, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. Those are all actions that take practice. It's not just knowledge of that. It's actually doing that. If we don't love each other as ourselves, as we're called to, then we're not going to ever be able to do that. So this is what Peter said. I'm going to always remind you of these qualities, even though you're established in them. You're established in the truth that you have. I'm going to continue to remind you so that maybe that will work into your life. So that our legacy applies to, to how anyone knew you or remembers you, the first step is repeating that truth both to yourself and then to others that you're teaching. Because legacy is not merely what people look at you and see. It's what you've given them. It's what you've given them. And so the, the next way that we can learn from this is we need to repeat the truth, but we also need to have a realistic view of life. Look at verse 13. It says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir up by way of rem reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made it clear to me. As long as I'm in this body, Peter knows he's at the end of his life. So I'm gonna intend to always remind you of these qualities, and then I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir up by way of reminder. Because he knows, and, and really that's what you see in movies or anything. It's always, what are your last words? 
right? I, I thought of Braveheart when I do this because I always think of Braveheart when I think of good movies because it's the best movie. And, and you see, after he's been caught and they're torturing him, they constantly want him to recant. But what does he do? He yells, freedom. That's what he wanted people to remember. Those were his last words. Because it was easier for him to have a realistic view of his life because obviously it was over in a matter of moments. And Peter here is showing us that, that our bodies are temporary. He's gonna stir up, he's gonna wake us to this. This is the same um, this is the same thought right now. The kids, the lesson they're talking about is when uh, the disciples and Jesus were crossing Sea of Galilee and there was the storm and he was sleeping in the boat and they run to him and wake him up because they're freaking out because they think the boat's are literally about to be taken over. And that's what the kids are talking about. But this is the same thing, to stir up, to wake up, to arouse. This is what the disciples were doing with Jesus. They wanted him to be aware so when Peter here is saying that he's going to stir up by way of reminder, he's literally saying, you need to wake up to this. Arouse yourself to what this is. Because they'd already established themselves in the gospel. But Peter's last task, if you will, with them is to constantly remind them again of the truth of the gospel. He's not moving to anything else. He's staying there. And oftentimes in church, we are like, yeah, we get the gospel. What's next? Well, here Peter's saying there isn't the next. It's the gospel, and then everything filters through that. That's the root. So he's reminding these people. And, and we see there at the end that since I know the putting off of my body, since I know that I'm going to be dying, will be soon, as the Lord Christ made it clear. It, that's referencing, you can say, we don't know ex exactly what Peter's thinking of there because he doesn't say exactly. He just knows that Christ told him. Well, you could say John 21, uh, Jesus tells him, truly, truly, I say to you that when you're young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And that's Jesus. That's right after he's telling him to feed my sheep. That's Jesus telling him what kind of death he was going to have. He's going to carry you where you don't want to go. That means the end of his life is going to be one that he doesn't get to choose. And we know now how Peter was martyred with being crucified upside down within that. And, and so we see that. But how does that work to us? If you look up CIA Factbook, um, it's just a website that has uh, data on every country in the world. I mean, just anything you want. It's, you got a bunch of random stuff that you probably don't want, and you're like, why do they keep track of that? But if you look up the United States, we keep track of ourselves. You, we can expect to live 78.62 years on average is the life expectancy in the U.S. Females, that's 81. Guys, 76 years. Apparently, we don't live as long. I don't know. We can debate why that is later. That's for a whole other topic. But, but we can see the fact that our lives are temporary. But a lot of times we say, well, 78 years, that's plenty of time. And so many times people look at that and think, well, I'll start doing it later. Right now I'm going to live for myself. Right now I'm going to do this. And, and we see that in our society as adolescents and, and people are staying in their homes longer and longer and longer. They're not going out on their own. Why? But, well, we have a long life. We don't, we don't understand the urgency that our life is. We, we forget to realize our lives are temporary because we really don't understand 
78 years. I mean, we don't really know what that feels like, obviously, until you got there. Then you can look back. But looking forward, we don't. And so Peter here is looking back, but he's saying, I'm gonna stir this up to remind you. He's wanting us not to wait. Start now. Then James 4, 14, he says, you don't know, you do not know even what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? And he answers his question, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's how, that's how our lives look in the vastness of time. We're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So we need a realistic view of our life in order to understand that our legacy needs to be growing continually. We can't wait to the end to think, what will people look at me? We need to start that now. And if we take Peter's advice or his teaching, it's relying on the gospel for everything that we have. Even though it's counter to our nature, it's to look outward as far as what the gospel is doing in our lives instead of looking what can the world provide us. It's what should we provide the world because we've been given love that we didn't deserve. So how can we take that to someone else? We can't expect other people to give us something that God didn't expect us to give to him. He came to us, and that's what the gospel is. That's why the gospel is pretty, is because Jesus came to us when we were sinners, yet died for us. And so we have to remind ourselves constantly, we have to arouse ourselves to wake up to that fact that our life is temporary. And we can't wait to rely on the gospel if we're gonna impact, it has to start now. And then the final way that we understand um, our legacy is through a reassurance of the message. Okay, so Peter here has given us this truth. Well, how can we rely on this? Because we don't want to put our legacy on something that's not true. Right? We don't want to follow something at the end and be like, man, I missed that. Because then what can you do? Nothing. You're just there. So we have to be reassured of the message. And that's what Peter's saying in verse 15 right here. The last one that we're talking about tonight, there this morning, it says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things. Peter understands this, that they need reassurance in this message. It's not gonna go when I leave. Because really, only the message that's true is worth repeating. And so Peter's given this to him. He says, but I'm gonna make every effort that after my departure, you'll be able to recall these things. So how did he do that? How did he preserve the truth? He wrote it down. And if you think about this, 2,000 years ago he wrote it down, and we're talking about it today. We have 2,000 years of church history that stood on this truth of the gospel. And yes, there's been periods of time where they missed it. But if we look at the scope of the church, the reliance on the fact that Jesus is everything that we need is the one truth. So we can be reassured of this message because we can stand on that. There's a pastor, um, his name's Andrew Wilson. He's in uh, the United Kingdom. And he says there was this video where him and another guy, another pastor were debating um, a topic and, and they were on both sides of it. And he said that, when the other guys question these doctrines or these truths that the church has stood on, he says that the humility of orthodoxy is to say that I'll stay where the church has been unless I'm sure the church has been wrong. 
And see, that's how we can be reassured of this message is we can stand where the church has been because we can rely on them. And we can look back and see. See, we have something better than what these original people had. We can look and see how that's impacted the church and see that where we are today. We can be reassured of this message because it's the message that's lasted. People don't die for false truths. They die for the truth. People don't stand and change their lives for something that's not completely impacted and changed their lives. They stand for something that has. And so this is where the church has been. We can be reassured of the message and know that if we stand for this, as Peter's calling us to, then our legacy is, will be one that is positive and that's had impact in the world. Not because of us, but because of the gospel. And see, that's the, that's the thing here. Is we're able to recall this because Peter wrote it down. So Peter intended for the church to do this. I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be any time to recall these things. This wasn't a one-time read it and throw it away. This is a, a read it and then recall it and then read it again and then read it again. And they would literally read this in front of the church. And it's the same thing that we're doing right now. He's making every effort so that after my tar- departure, we'll be able to recall this at any time. Recall these things. That's what we're doing. We're recalling these that Peter left for us. And, and what was it? It was to rely on the gospel. You see that in verse two of this chapter. May grace, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It's grace and peace through what? The knowledge of Jesus as Savior, as Lord. So that's what Peter's leaving as his legacy. It has nothing to do with what he did. And if anyone... Peter's one of the people in history that could have claimed his own stuff or could have tried to set it. We can look back and he messed it up a lot. But why does he have the ability to stand here or the ability at this time to, to write this letter? It's not because what he had done, it's because what Christ had done in him. Because Peter's the one we like to beat up on, right? If we look at the apostles, it's always Peter that didn't do it right that reacted the wrong way, that didn't get the point. Yet here we have Peter saying, I'm always gonna remind you of these truths because this is what you need. It's these qualities that your life should be like. And so we can understand that because we fail to realize that, that Peter's legacy is not about him. That's what he's telling us here. What truths is he given us? It's that everything we do should be rooted in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So a legacy of revealing the truth is what Peter's leaving. And that's the legacy that we should be growing into is that we've relied on the truth when we didn't know what to do and we didn't understand it, we relied on that truth because that's the message that has been going on. Martin Luther is famous for being kind of blunt and, and he says it this way. He says, we must, take, we must take counsel of the gospel. I must hearken to the gospel which teacheth me not what I ought to do, for that's the proper office of the law. So the law tells us what we shouldn't do. But what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, hath done for me. And so if we stop right there real quick, he understands the gospel. It's not the law. It's Christ doing what we couldn't do. But then he goes on to wit, that he suffered and died to deliver me from sin and death. The gospel willeth me to receive this and to believe it. 
And this is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine, wherein the knowledge of all godliness consisteth. Most necessary it is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. I love how he finishes that. It's all this great, eloquent, explaining the gospel, and he says, you need to know it, teach it, and beat it into their heads daily. But that's what we should do. That's what Peter's saying. I'm going to constantly remind you of this, constantly remind you of the gospel, because it's not about what we did. It's about what Jesus did for us. We don't, we don't live our lives for him to gain something. We live our lives for him because he loved us. And really, that's what, if, you have, if you have kids or children, isn't it better if they obey you because they love you instead of because they think they have to? Isn't it, isn't it better when, you're, when your children obey you because they love you and they know that that's a good thing for them whether than you just command it and they do it? It's not near as rewarding as a parent when you just tell your kids to do something and they do it. But when they do it on their own because they know that's what you desire and they love you in that sense so they're going to do it, that's, that, that's what is more fulfilling. And that's the same thing with God. We do what he ask us to do because we love him. Because we love him and we know what he did for us. He sent his son to die. He sent his son to live the life that we couldn't live and to die the death that we didn't do or that we deserved. So our legacy then as we're growing through our faith and we're maturing in that process should be one that simply people say that we relied on Jesus' works. Because that's the only legacy that will continue to last. And then we'll be within this body of the church. And so we simply have to ask ourselves, is our legacy, what people will remember us for, is it in that direction? Is it reliance on Jesus? Because we were sinners. And he came and he loved us. And that's what, that's what the beauty of the Roman road is when you go through those scriptures that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's the good thing. This isn't a social thing. This isn't for fame. This is for his glory alone. That's why when you look at the Reformation and they had all the solas that was their slogans, the, the alones, the Sola fide, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, scripture alone. And the last one they always use was soli deo gloria, for the glory of God alone. That's what our legacy, legacy should be, that our life was lived for his glory alone. Because it's only him that did anything to give us what we have. In just a sec, we're going to sing a last song. And uh, Kayla and I are going to come up. And um, it's that... Jesus is better. And that's what we're talking about. That's the point of this, that he is better than everything, that our legacy is in him because he is better. Y'all pray with me. Father God, we thank you that you have given us life that we didn't deserve. We thank you for the grace that you've given us. And God, we just pray that we continue to rely on you as the root of our legacy, as the the root that people will see our lives growing from would be your gospel 
would be your truth and be your son's actions. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.